0: I think sometimes in a culture where everybody just wants to go along and get along, um, it's important to have those people that kind of go against the grain.
1: Welcome to Storia, where storytellers disrupt. I'm David Neronia. And I'm Fabiano Altamora. And before we dive in with our very special guest, remember to like, subscribe, follow, and give us that five-star review, man. Who do we have today? Today, we have the awesome good buddy, but not only just good buddy, Sean Foyt,
2: who is an author, a missionary, an artist. He set up global movements like Light a Candle, Hold the Line, Let Us Worship, Burn 24-7. This guy He's an author. He's a filmmaker. You know, you just add to the list, bro. Have, have I have I give blown enough smoke? Yeah. I, a, I've lifted a, your ego enough. A he's, a lot. Lot. he's got enough <laughs> movements. This guy's a dancer. <laughs> he's, usually, he's, he's got more moves than anybody I know. who's a dancer. So we've got the honor of having you on today, Sean. You know, you're the epitome of, our guess. I mean, you are a you're a consummate artist, but you're also very disruptive in your approach. Not not from the point of view of you know anything else but just from the conviction of of what is on your heart and you know his most recent film super spreader you did heart and hands with him in iraq um i just love what you're doing bro and i love what you're doing for the kingdom what you're doing as an artist so it's a super honor to have you dude
0: thanks man thanks so much for having me on honestly it's you guys are both amazing friends and people i really look up to in the creative space so it's a pleasure to join you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, dude.
1: Sean, I want to dive in, man. When we say the word disruptive, which I think is a word that might be applied by some people to you, how do you react to that word? Do you see (laughs) it? I know, strange, shock, right? But but how do you see it? Because I know that sometimes when people are described as disruptive, they don't necessarily see themselves in that way or what that word means to other people. So what does that word mean to you? How do you respond to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, uh, you know, uh, it's probably accurate. I mean, I I think that there's been seasons in my life where um, maybe I haven't been as disruptive as others. However, I just think it's innately kind of how God made and fashioned me. And I think sometimes in a culture where everybody just wants to go along to get along, um, it's important to have those people that kind of go against the grain. And I think historically, you could, you could look at the Bible. You could look at revival history, and you know the disruptors are are people that we need, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not always liked. And and you know, crazy thing is, talking about artists, you guys know more than me. Uh, most disruptive artists weren't even recognized in their lifetime, mm. you know, for their work. I mean, they were so disruptive, they were so rejected. Uh, just to bring up a, a, a cool thing, I was in the Capitol rotunda. Uh, The other day, uh, worshiping, which was just epic in DC, you know the the ceremonial epicenter of the nation, and they were telling me about the artist that painted the top of the rotunda, which is so—I mean, you should go and Google it right now if you can. It is insanely epic. And uh, typical story, you know, the guy died, no one knew who he was. Um, He created this masterpiece that he hung on a scaffolding. uh, To took him—I don't—I don't remember how many years to do it. And he died in, in, you know, nobody knowing his name and not having any money. Now he's revered as one of the greatest, you know, artists in American history. So that's like a pretty standard story uh, when you look at sc- screenwriters, filmmakers, um, you know, playwriters, songwriters. It's only been in the last hundred years that disruptive artists have actually been known in their generation. Mm-hmm.
1: Gosh, that's such a good so, point. I don't know that we've actually ever discussed the fact that the disruptors are, in some sense, futurists in some sense, right? Pulling down or prophetic, however you want to see it. Right. Specifically, look at the Renaissance artists as well, you know, and one of these things we've
2: explored with being disruptive, Sean, is like, you know, some people put a negative connotation to it. I think what we've looked at is disruption actually things brings things back into order, right? Like when you start mm-hmm. Letters Worship, mm-hmm. right, some people could have viewed yeah. it as disruption, but I actually think what you did with it is you started to think, bring
0: things back into order. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's hard to, it's kind of hard for people to look back now. I think a lot of people don't even want to, uh, don't even want to remember their reaction, mm. right? As now, uh, virtually every conspiracy theory has been proven right you know, that masks didn't work and that it, it was lockdowns were harmful and we should have never shut schools down and like everybody's admitting that. Um, however, in the moment, there was hysteria, Yeah. you know, and the fact that we were worshiping Jesus outside when we were told to stay inside and told to not meet and told to watch a live stream and told to have three masks on and that we were grandma killers. In um, that heightened season, yeah, it was very disruptive. Um, it was it was very polarizing. Probably the most, you know, I've got, I've been in North Korea, I've been in Afghanistan, I've I've smuggled Bibles into these nations in Saudi Arabia, I've been everywhere, and this was definitely the most polarizing, wildly uh, uh, disruptive thing that I've ever done in my life. Surprisingly, and it happened wow. here in our own country.
1: That's a lot coming from you. Sean, I got to ask you something. Yeah. I mean, you wear a lot of hats, including one for LA. (laughs) But uh, one (laughs) of the, you know, in many ways, yes, you're an activist. Like, I mean, there are some that could describe you as a kind of activist. I don't know that you would self describe that way. I don't know that I would describe you that way because that's not the way that we became friends and that we, you know, our first journey together, which we'll talk about a a little bit later on. But I kind of want to, for one second, man, if you would put your artist hat on, like as a worship leader, as a songwriter, how does God use you in your art to disrupt the earth and to bring heaven down? What does that look like for you, man?
0: Well, I think uh, it's cool that you're, that you're, you know, just talking about that now because I was thinking today, you know, here in 2023, how. You know, uh, we're in this—I don't know—this, this, this, this. this everybody's in, in the nation started to feel this kind of awakening. We have this Asbury thing that kicks off. We have the Jesus Revolution movement. We have this reminder of the Jesus People movement. And one of the first songs that we sang when we were on the bridge that day in 2020, at the height of COVID, when there was a mandatory lockdown order over San Francisco, really the birthplace of, of this movement, was. Uh, we started to declare and to sing about a new Jesus people movement coming to America, mm-hmm. and we were singing that into the into the you know fifty mile an hour winds blowing on the Golden Gate Bridge—a far cry from you know the amazing setup. Uh, that I was at a few weeks prior before the lockdowns leading at Bethel, where it sounds perfect and amazing and <laughs> everything is live streaming beautiful. There's no melody, now we're there's no pitch
1: correction. Pro-
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now we, yeah, now we were in 50 mile per hour winds, gusting at our face, looking like idiots. The only people gathered in a group in maybe in America at that point, I don't know. But something about that song that we were singing, and thankfully somebody had their phone and started live streaming it on Facebook. And that's where the traction began. This viral sound of courage began to be released. And we were declaring a new Jesus People movement is coming, basically prophesying a day that we did we that we knew did not exist right now, a day of fear and a day of torment and a day of depression and anxiety and the lockdowns and the weight of all of that and the political insanity that was happening and the rioting. If you remember the summer of 2020, here we were singing and declaring a day that did not yet exist and that was less than three years ago now we're sitting in a season in america that i feel like that song is 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 created a world you know and, and many other people were singing that same song i'm not just saying it was us but sure we were joining with heaven song and that song is created you know the, those words create worlds and that's what the prophetic does. And we're starting to see that. And so I think just to bring back to your question, when it comes to an artist and a, and a musician and a creative, and I mean, you can even see, I, I feel like it's incredibly Davidic, you know, to sing through those different seasons, to create through those different seasons. And you guys know this. I mean, it's the it's the it's the 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 plight of the artist. It's, it always seems like the best stuff is created in the darkest days, mm-hmm. and uh, the best songs, the best films, the best scripts. You know, the best things are created in this tension. It's like a guitar. Um, you know, you don't get any sound out of this guitar mm-hmm. unless there's tension on the strings, right. and there has to be tension on the strings to create that sound, you know, and um, it's the same thing with the seasons where there has to be, there has to be tension. And we had plenty of it. (laughs) 2020.
2: Yeah. And you know, one of my favorite times with you dude, as well is like just respecting you as an artist and everything that you have going off is, I remember when we were sat down and it was, it was you and I, and I, I think everything had happened just through, through Congress and you were like, fab what do you think i should call my new book <laughs> do you remember this and i was like yes. what encapsulates sean and i said brazen not in a negative connotation but brazen in the fact that yes i think you are so confident in who you are in christ as an artist as a father and so confident as of his call on you that like you it just creates this disruptor this brazen aspect but there again all the other aspects of you being, having a huge heart, having a heart for people, being such a good lover as well creates, as you said, this other, this other tension that like people could see you with some. And I'm like, that's not how I know Sean as well. I know both and, but see you as a friend, as yeah. an artist, as all those things. And that's what I love about you being as an artist. You're like a portfolio artist. Isn't that, that was the title of
1: your book. Brazen. Which is a phenomenal. It was phenomenal title. He he,
0: he, in, he named it, but gets he, a lot of creep.
2: But he he doesn't he doesn't write. But it. In no residual. He gave me no it's residuals the story of our our life. The he, story didn't, of our he didn't life. write it. That he didn't say anything about me writing <laughs> in the books. Um, but then you go from author, then you go to filmmaker, and now you've done two films. Mm-hmm. You had the privilege of going to Iraq with Sean and creating Heart and
1: Hands. I did, and before we go to Iraq together, which I do want to revisit with you because it was a profound experience for me. I got to ask you, man, how do you handle being misunderstood? Mm. Cause this is such a common experience oh. for artists. Ha, no, I mean like yeah. honestly, bro, I don't, I don't know if you're willing to be vulnerable with us in the sense of like, cause obviously yeah. you, you, you are a man of such fortitude and I know that side of you, but I'm curious, man, like in the wee small hours of the night
0: mm-hmm. outside
1: of the public eye, how do you handle being misunderstood?
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I honestly, I think that that's a, that's a, a, a battle. You know, I mean, I think, um, you know, I mean, even if you in the film Super Spreader, um, the moment where my wife starts to cry uh, mm. and where, where really, the moment where she was like, we got to stop doing this, it was mm. came out of those feelings of being misunderstood. And I think what's hard is that I don't actually mind being misunderstood by the world. I kind of expect that. I think that all believers following Jesus in 2023 better get used to that like uh you're you're going to get you know canceled and you're going to get mocked and you're going to get ridiculed and, and and all that stuff that should be normal to us we should not even be faced at that <laughs> but the issue that i had was being misunderstood by Some of my closest friends Mm. i'm like you knew my heart in this you understood why you like we've had conversations we've wept together we've you know um and 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 that level of being misunderstood that's a that hits differently you know and i think that there's a and and it's nothing that you know jesus himself didn't face you know i mean he you know the son of if this if, if the son of god you know, had his friends bail out on him, you know, in his darkest hour when he's in the garden, you know, he was so distraught over, 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 over being misunderstood and not, not being, not being supported that he cried, you know, tears of blood. And I think that there is an element of a, of a, a lonely road for pioneers and creatives. Um, And, and, you know, we just have to recognize that's, part of the journey. It's an unfortunate part, but it's, it's in many ways, it's a price that has to be paid. And thank goodness I didn't fold in those seasons because what's, you know, wisdom will be proved right by all our actions. Now we can see looking back, you know, these were the right decisions that we made and we're grateful that we did. And, and you know, and I've gotten a lot of words in in prophetic words that, you know, like the, like Daniel and his brothers, they'll come back and there'll be a season of rejoining and whatever. But in the midst of that calling, um, it's really a beautiful time to lean on the Lord. I mean, without trying to be cliche about it, it really does rip the, uh, the applause of men and the, and the fear of men out of your life.
2: Sean, from a practical note for like artists, you know, as artists we have to be willing to be misunderstood what kind of practical aspects did you lean into i know you said you leaned into god but like when you saw kate being affected by all of this and that's going to be hard right when you're obviously yourself as well what what do you do like what are your daily rituals or whatever that you employ that kind of stop you from getting into bitterness stopping from wanting to quit what what do you do
0: (laughs) yeah that's so good i mean um I think we're still kind of on that journey. I mean, I was on a record label, very well known, successful record label, and following the Lord uh, caused a breakdown in that relationship, not on my end. And you know, you you go through these these things, and you're like, man, this is, you know, I, I was well received, well liked, adored, and then now it's like. Or this disassociation, all just because I'm following the voice of the Lord. You know, it was, there was nothing immoral. <laughs> there was right. no like failure or no like crazy sin. It was simply just, I'm following the Lord. And I guess this is going to be a, a bit of a lonely journey. The funny thing is, Fab and, and, and David is, um, my first three number one records in my life and meaning that on iTunes they went number 1 over every other genre. Now it was wow. granted it was just for a few days, but but for a worship album to go number 1 yeah. in the whole iTunes I mean that that happened 3 times. Those were some of the first 3 records I released after in that mm. season. When I didn't have the big marketing machine, I didn't have the team behind me. I mean it just was like and and it, it was like God was just like I got you, you know. Yeah. Follow me, I'll take care of you. Um but yeah, I think in terms of practical things, um, you know, it, it talks about in Proverbs: guard, guard your heart for, for with it flows all things. Or you know, it's it's the the the, the, the stream of, of life, you know. And I think that we had to really practice that, like letting go of offense and just saying, you know what, these these people don't know what they're doing; they don't understand. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's give them grace because bitterness and offense. It it, it 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 harms you. It doesn't harm them. Right, yeah. It's not like you're getting back at them for being bitter and offended. It's the thing that poisons your soul. And so we really had to get free from that. And then not only free from that, not building a movement or a sound or art um, as a reaction yeah, of to what to them, you know. And I think that's a really big thing. I see a lot of artists and people do that. They create out of reaction. It's like a negative energy thing. And man, God is just not in that, you know, it has to come from a clear, clean place mm-hmm. in your life, in your heart.
1: Man, I'll tell you, you know, just as a parent, I don't know if you guys feel this, but you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of, of raising teenagers and I will tell you fear. I don't know that I ever appreciated the impact that fear can have on your perception of a situation. Oh, it yeah. is one of the most distorting, yeah, toxic things, and, and only in retrospect right. right? can you look back and go, I'm not saying it made it any easier. I'm not saying that it justifies it, but man, when you're following the voice of the Lord and either you're experiencing fear or it causes fear in somebody else, goodness gracious, can things go haywire real mm-hmm. quick? Sean, I want to segue, and I want to maybe travel across the world and back in time with you to... Certainly one of the top 10 moments of my life when I had the privilege of going with Sean and his ministry, light a candle to go distribute enormous amounts of aid. Uh, There was powdered milk and supplies and food and water and diapers and all kinds of stuff. And Sean, I know for you, that's just another... It's it's just (laughs) just Tuesday and Sean's like, I don't think I ever shared this story with you, but when I got back, so I didn't tell my mom and my dad that I was going to Iraq because I'm I'm Cuban. I'm also a grown man, but I got back and my dad, he's like, I won't actually say the word that he (laughs) used because my sweet dad may have dropped something, but he was like, why did not you tell me you were in Iraq? And I was like, maybe because of this reaction. <laughs> and did you also tell him that that's not how you say the name of the country? It's Iraq. Oh, stop it, so, <laughs> Sean. Um, <laughs> he's such an idiot. This is he loves to yank my 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 non-British chain, uh, uh, Sean. So you've traveled to the world into what some would describe as some of the darkest places. I don't know that that's the way that you see it or the Lord sees it. Tell tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about why you've been attracted to places like Iraq and when did that kind of adventure, you know, begin for you?
0: Well, first, I mean, you're David, you were alleged to to just go off the cuff with short notice to Iraq and then not just to go to Iraq, but to direct a film over there. I mean, you, you deserve a prize for that. (laughs) I'm sure there'll be a crown in heaven waiting for you. Um, thank you. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I've always been, I, I just, You know, I grew up, I had three sisters and I was the only boy and I grew up in Montana in the mountains, in this place of adventure. And I just loved adventure. Like every other kid, I love to see battles of light and darkness. And I just, it's like that whole, like John Eldridge, Wild at Heart thing. Like that was me as a kid. And so I couldn't picture myself, and this is no knock against accountants or people that, you know, have these hard, intense jobs at desks. I mean, a lot of people have those, but I just could never envision my life being like that. I'm like, I I would rather live in a foreign nation somewhere and and live on rice and beans, you know, and seeing God break in these. And and I think I just grew up in this, not just in Montana, in the wilderness, but then going to the nations and, and getting a heart for adventure. And I think that so many Christians the american i'll say it like this the american church has become so bored i mean they're they're dying of boredom because they have no risk and no adventure in their walk with the lord and um and and they're just on screens all day and they're in coffee shops to go to ministry school after ministry school after ministry school and they never actually like risk anything and i think that that there, the, to me, I was drawn to that. You know, I was drawn to the adventure. I was drawn. I was drawn to the thrill of the risk. You know, like I wanted to see God show up and do something. And I think that so when ISIS happened, and uh, in, in that that's how Light a Candle started our project in Iraq. Um, I just I saw all of the missionaries, many of whom I knew, many reputable organizations. Uh, we're fleeing uh, the Middle East and fleeing Iraq. And I just was like, man, this is the time we need to rush in. And so that, that, that heart, uh, you know, manifested, uh, the heart of a boy manifested into these movements. I mean, we have a team on the ground right now in Turkey in Syria, oh, wow. um, and Syria. And that earthquake is the greatest catastrophe of our generation. I mean, it's insane. And there's, there's I don't know, I just have a call to do that. You know, I want to see God show up in those kind of places. And, um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I think for me, it just, it, what, it, it's what wakes me up in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, I don't get excited about, um, maintaining, you know, or even though I do work and do a lot of admin and sit at this desk here a lot, I, I dream about the greater battles, mm, wow. <laughs> you know?
2: Totally. And then you, like from you know from uh, light a candle and the second movie you did which was in effect the conception of of letters worship which was super spreader that came out a while ago yeah that kind of shows your heart between everything that happened and you know talk us talk us through the birth a little bit of letters worship and how like you because you said like light a candle was in response to what happen with isis now yeah letters worship was in yeah. response to what happened because i don't think you're reactionary in that sense i think you see the need purely from from the heart of god and you realize where that vacuum is being created yeah. you fill it right with the heart of god so like just breathe talk us through like from congress to the concept of how uh the genesis of letters worship yeah
0: Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, with Congress, it just, it just, I just felt like it was just such a big failure. And that's, that's actually where the book brazen that you were talking about earlier, that's where it ends is like, God told me to do this. I feel like it was a failure. I know he has bigger plans. I sacrificed my music career, my cred, you know, my, my, you know, this reputation to do this political thing, you know, and, uh, and and now i'm seen as this polarizing figure but i just was following the voice of the lord and i don't know what i'm going to do and i actually told my wife you know after the congress season ended i'm like i don't know if i'm going to lead worship again you know it's like that that verse i think it's in psalms where it's like they or maybe it's ecclesiastes they they hung their harps on the willows you know uh it was like I was fully ready for that season and then literally right when I finished the, the congressional run, right when I, I lost in the primary, the pandemic hit. And thank God I had been in the congressional, I had been behind the 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 veil of the government and I had been able to see the hidden agendas and motives and I knew that what was taking place in the pandemic, I knew where it was coming from. You know, it wasn't coming out of love your neighbor. So do X and Y. There was a definitely a, a spirit of control. So having that insight gave me the the courage to start Let Us Worship. And, and obviously, I didn't know at the time, you know, that it was going to become a film and it was going to be in, you know, 800 theaters across America. I would have never chosen to do that. Just by the way, Hollywood is not for the faint at heart. <laughs> Movie making is not for the faint at heart. I don't what? know how many times I what? called you that, but I don't know how many times Fab I called you and I was like, "What the heck are we doing? This is ridiculous." (laughs) Um, But you know, when when God writes the story and you know He's leading you, and you just you know you just follow follow His voice. And I'm 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 no expert in any of that. I do know that it takes a good story to make a film, but um, but I think a lot of that starts with you know what I think what was so compelling about it, and it's a documentary, so it's it's. It's 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 its own niche, you know, of of storytelling, but um, it, it brings this whole different perspective to the COVID pandemic that the world together uh, experienced. It brings this whole different side of of our movement. It shows people the inner workings of our emotions and our battles and struggles, but then also the outside pressure. And then in the midst of it, it shows the power of God that's undeniable. And so I just think it's really cool. You know, the first ever film that's made about the pandemic that hit movie theaters around the world. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to come. uh, Shares the story from God's perspective. And that, to me, I think is really, really cool.
1: I think what's... It's kind of really stunning about you and and has been so informative to me, Sean, because let me tell you something, man, like I'm not normally wired exactly the way that you are. And I think this is why God, I don't know if I ever shared with you why I went to Iraq, but so Sean and I were working with Bethel music at the time.
0: You wanted to eat hummus. (laughs) There was (laughs) no good
1: hummus here in Reading. So we went to (laughs) the, so uh, (laughs) like you described the American church I was working for yeah. Bethel Music, and and my job was evolving at the time, and I had just come off of um, mm-hmm. shooting Bright Ones, and so frankly, I think mainly my problem was I was coming off of a movie crash. You, right. know, <laughs> you make a movie with kids for right. two or three years, and yeah. suddenly you're at a desk doing normal things in Google Spreadsheets, and, and you're not sh- sure right. to survive, right? But I remember it, it was a deeper sadness for me, one that I think... You know, after you do something like School of Ministry and you go to Kenya or Matwapa, and I haven't had as many God adventures as you have, but I've I've had enough that I know the difference between stasis and adventure. And in my own life outside of the church, both Fab and I have had these crazy adventures being on movie sets or TV shows or whatever. But I remember that I woke up the morning that I found out about the Heart and Hands Project, the pro the the documentary that uh Sean and I shot in Erbil in Iraq. And I will never forget, very clearly I woke up, I brought my feet, you know, quintessential wake up scene in the movie with the feet hitting the ground. And I just took a deep breath and I was so utterly bored. And I remember the prayer that I shot up to the Lord was simply this, Lord, I need to feel the dust of the gospel on Mm. my feet. I go to work. I have a one-on-one with my boss. Chris Estes, phenomenal guy who works with music labels and stuff. And then in our one-on-one, he just casually mentions, oh yeah, by the way, we're sending a team to Iraq. And I said, what? And we started chatting a little bit about it. And he started asking me some questions about, hey, why don't you, so we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? What do you think? And I, and I, he looks at me and he says to me, do you want to go to Iraq? And I said, as a good, responsible husband, I said, let me talk to my wife. <laughs> I went up <laughs> to the party. but my heart. My heart leapt and God bless my wife. This is how you know you're married to the right woman for you. I went out to the parking lot yeah, five amen. minutes right after. I didn't even, I didn't, I went nowhere else. I walked out to the parking lot. I said, Hey babe, I have an opportunity to go to Iraq. I gave her just like 20 seconds of context. And she said, what's the Lord telling you? And I said, I think he's asking me to go. And she said, then you got to go. Sean, I got to ask you, man, you've had a lot of adventures. We've got maybe time for a couple more questions. And I'm wondering, man, and and you probably have a hundred of all the adventures overseas to all of these places that the world would describe as dark. What one story about Holy spirit, about him doing something that's just blown your mind away as a sign and a wonder stands out to you.
0: Oh my gosh. That is a difficult question. Um,
1: Pick the first. Awesome. One. Yeah. I mean, I, like I've, 50, man?
0: Uh, I've been so marked in so many different ways. Um, I think one of the one of the coolest encounters um, that I had that came in a really dark, gnarly moment was when I was in um, Uganda, and I had I had the barrel of an AK forty seven ground into my skull, and I was with these other pastors, and we were getting robbed by these Zulu thugs. And apparently we didn't know this, but they had been following us, uh, as we traveled from Burundi to, from Burundi to Rwanda and into Uganda, they've been following us. Cause anyway, they thought we had millions of dollars, I guess, because I'm white in Africa and right. <laughs> they didn't realize that I had no money because I just finished leading a mission team. And they, they should have hit me up, you know, when I first landed and I, you know before I gave all the money to our team and all that we did. But anyway, that moment, you know, and they were shouting at us and they were screaming because they couldn't find any money and they found our passports, but they couldn't find any really anything else. And I just looked over at these pastors, these Ugandan pastors and their immediate response was just to worship. Like they were there too. They had guns right at their head and they just started worshiping and singing in the spirit. And, and I just looked at them and I'm like, "These people are crazy. Like it was just like their auto response, you know, and it started, it it caught on to me. It was like a, it was like a virus, you know, and I started to sing and, and I, it was like this moment where I thought for sure they were going to kill us because that's normally what they do so that you can't identify them later. That's pretty typical in that part of the world. Um, but we just began to worship there, all laid on the ground with our hands behind our back. And we just started to sing and we started to worship. And after like 10, 15 minutes, we turned around and they were gone. Wow. And I still don't know to this day if it was like angels that showed up. I don't know what happened. All I know is we started dancing around this house that we were in. And we started singing and praising God. And I, it, it was like... Even though that was very early on, I think I was like 25 or 26, Mm -hmm. it it really marked me for God breaking in in these dark, fearful moments. Mm -hmm. And it set a standard for me that, God, if you can do that here, and that's what gave me the courage to go into North Korea Mm -hmm. and to go into Saudi Arabia, to go into these places, still gives me the courage. I mean, going into Seattle, Chop Zone, during during 2020. Are you kidding me? Oh, that was one of the gnarliest experiences of my life in any nation was going into the middle of CHOP in 2020 in Seattle. Um, but yeah, that really marked me. I'll never forget that moment.
2: Wow. And Sean, because you've had such a, such a huge breadth of life and you're not even 40 yet, but like, if you were looking at an artist starting out today, mm-hmm somebody following their calling who really feels like they're called to Hollywood or what, whatever artist endeavor, artistic endeavor they may be um, about to embark on. What, what single piece of advice would you give them that you've implemented in your own life?
0: Um, I, I just think, you know, I, I'm here in Southern California and, you know, I'm, I meet a lot of people that, um, you know they they want to do great things and create stuff, and they're kind of hanging around in this ecosystem to get in a film or get a song cut, or whatever. Um, and sadly, a lot of times they end up getting swallowed up, um, and they end up or getting disillusioned or whatever. They just don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, you know that that verse keeps coming to mind to me lately Romans eight nineteen All creation groans for the sons of God to be revealed there's a groaning for the earth there's a groaning in hollywood there's a groaning in, in, in the industries to know who god is mm-hmm. and, and we have to be the people that when we go into those uh those places where god sends us in because i'm all about it like i i i love your guys's mission i want to see more on fire believers in hollywood i want to see more on fire believers in the u.s government i want to see more on fire believers I mean that's our mandate right like our yeah. mandate is 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 to take the gospel of the kingdom into every sphere into every part of culture uh, but we have to know who we are mm-hmm. and I, we cannot be orphans running into an orphan system you know yeah. we can't be orphans going into an orphanage yeah. trying to tell everybody who we are like we, we really yeah. got to know. so my encouragement is, is always to to and and what happens if you go on with an orphan spirit yeah. you you end up compromising, you end up man pleasing, you end up, you know, and sadly you end up not having a lot of influence because they don't respect people that don't know who they are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my encouragement to, to, to artists and to, into people like don't get all hung up on, on clicks and, likes and followers and in that whole thing like like know who you are know that god's given you a voice he's given you a sound he's given you words he's given you a revelation and he's gonna make a way for you and sometimes like i said it could be through dropping off a well-known music label where you thought you were charting these this course and then he'll just be like nah now i'm gonna make your record yeah. number one when you're a solo you know, polarizing worship figure. <laughs> now I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, um, he just has his ways. He, he'll, he has his ways. That's awesome. Dude. Sean, I know you've we, had a
1: tremendous impact. I know yeah. on both of us, man. And we're going to be sure to point everybody to your resources, to Sean's music links. Thank with, you. Uh, yeah. But- you know, included below to brazen to all of your ministries. If you feel led to give and support into all of the many movements, man, you have more move you have more moves than Jagger, man. So anyways, it's been a privilege to be with you, Sean. And for those of you hanging out on Storia, it's been good hanging out. We'll see you soon.